one inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in the mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Just when you thought you were out, we pull you back in. This is And Justice for Al, brought to you by InRealDeep.com and Tazini Media. I'm Steve Sabino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with us, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Howdy, Steve. Let's talk some Al. And we got Tom, of course. Tom is here as well. Hello, Tom. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi. Good. Good. Let's talk some shitty Pacino movie while we're here. Might as well, right? Haven't we been doing that for about 12 months now? <laughs> well, that's the great philosophical debate, I would say, of this whole podcast. <laughs> yes. I would argue nay, but you obviously uh, met with opposition in that regard. Yeah, I feel like we should. Well, there's so many hot Pacino updates. Well, just mainly one that they're making a remake of Scarface that I wanted <laughs> oh. to bring up. Oh, my God. Which as is if, it? and again, Scarface <laughs> has its flaws, but in that movie without Al Pacino, why would anyone even watch it? Uh, we'll find Good out. Time. We'll go do some investigative journalism when it's released in a year or two. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Tom, do you want to see a Diego Luna starring a Scarface remake? Uh, That's no, the I, hot question. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say no to that. I thought you're gonna I, I don't want to see any Scarface remake. <laughs> More to the point. What if I told you it was three hours long and? The- <laughs> The tiger features prominently in it again. All right, okay. I'm warming to the idea. The tiger <laughs> drives the blimp that has cryptic messages on it. Okay, yeah. Now we're, now we're doing it. Now we're cooking with gas. Ugh. Well, we're not here to talk about Scarface, of course. We're here because the Super Bowl is right around the corner, and as such, we've moved around our schedule for Injustice for Al, and we're talking about Any Given Sunday, one of the more interesting movies in Al Pacino's filmography. One of the and one of the few Pacino movies that though he is the main character, it's not a movie about him or revolves around him. He's 
he's important, but Jamie Foxx is just as important. And I think it's interesting. The one thing I will say about this movie as we get started is that it's interesting seeing the, the scenes when those two play off each other and talk are the redeeming moments of an otherwise shitty movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I thought it was that was one of my immediate observations coming out of it was that, um, you know, a lot of the other movies that we've seen, for better and for worse, have, and intentionally because we've chosen them as such, have been dominated by Al. Uh, just his presence, you know, even if he's not, like, in Devil's Advocate, he wasn't in the movie for that long, but he still dominated the movie. This one, mm-hmm. I did not feel was the case. I mean, part of that is the the ensemble cast, which is just crazy, crazy deep. Um, and with people, famous football players and fam- and Cameron Diaz and like also famous old actors like James Woods and, and Matthew Modine and, uh, and, and Al is certainly like the, probably the main character, the co-main character with, uh, with Jamie Foxx. But, uh, uh, it was interesting to watch a movie where I, I would never say Al Pacino recedes into the background, but he's definitely not um, always the focal point. So it was interesting to to see this movie in that regard. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I totally agree with that because this is uh, he's Al Pacino is obviously competing with the very kind of odd worldview of Oliver Stone, and that <laughs> certainly a very potent thing, perhaps more potent than Al Pacino at at, at some points. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting jumping off point too, because Oliver Stone, of course, uh, wrote Scarface as well. So anyway, but yeah, so, not his first Al rodeo. No, but the first directing Al rodeo, I guess. And probably not his first cocaine relapse. As, <laughs> uh, the editing of this movie seemed to imply. Oh my gosh, the editing, and you knew the cocaine use that he was depicting was as pure as like you know as accurate as it could be. There was never a question. Documentary. <laughs> Yeah, the editing was really, I mean, I think this is a really, I I can't speak to all the other movies I saw that came out in 1999 exactly, but this feels both ahead of its time in ways and then like woefully stuck in like 90s weirdness. Like it came, 99 is pretty late. Like I sort of, it is is of that era. And then it's also, they, they have some comments about actual football culture and sports culture in general that I think are prescient and interesting. But then with the editing and some of the frenetic pacing, it just feels insane oliver stoney but also like sort of cliche 90s embarrassingly too yeah i thought that like the i thought i actually thought from a like a technical perspective i thought i i thought even in retrospect that the football sequences were actually really good and did a really good job like if we're going to talk about football as a brutal sport one that's incredibly fast-paced. Yes, it's amped up a little bit too much at times with some of like the slow-motion hits and stuff like that, but I really liked some of the camera work that was like shaky that made you feel like you were really on the field in a really fast-paced sport that is designed to basically melt your brain slowly, uh, hit by hit. And then like every party scene, though, was just like painfully like outdated like the stuff with like Lawrence Taylor cutting uh Willie Peeman's like <laughs> car in half with a chainsaw after like snorting cocaine off of people's boobs was like uh yeah that that felt really dated <clears throat> it kind of feels like a, a year after a uh, same cry Ryan came out they borrowed the uh war shaky camera for the football scenes but then also for the party scenes <laughs> 
<laughs> and also, I remember during Dennis Quaid's giving like a speech. I think as he's like going out of you know to fire Fox up maybe, and th- there's like quick kinetic cuts then too. Yeah. And like there's like slow motion when Al Pacino's giving his speech. Like there's there's like there's editing techniques that just take you straight out of the movie, and you go, huh, what? And like these people are just talking. Why is the camera going wild? Why is why is any editing happening? Just show me the people talking about the thing. Also, every part when one of the people one of the players hallucinates like old clips of people like old football clips in the stands and like stuff like that that was really weird yeah. <laughs> very weird yeah. very strange yeah. it's like was... a very gilliam movie at that point yeah. <laughs> i also love that so al pacino i mean i imagine most people have seen this movie and if you haven't you should go watch it it's on hbo it's the director's cut Although the director's cut is shorter than the actual feature movie that came out in theaters. Still over weird... two and a half hours long, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess Oliver wanted to just move some stuff around and, and cut a little bit extra stuff out. So that's a little odd. But anyway, so Al Pacino is the coach of a non-NFL team that is an NFL team. And it's instantly ridiculous because Al Pacino is like five foot three, maybe. And he's an NFL coach. Like, did he did he play NFL football? Like, what a weird. I believe I think every NFL coach played football in some capacity. But I don't know if we're ever led to believe that Al was a professional player. I don't think Bill Belichick played professional football. Actually, oh, sure, he didn't play professional football. He played college football. But, uh, so I guess Al could have been like a real scrappy cornerback. I literally the... wrote in my notes when he came on, and I was like, "Yeah, he's way too short." I'm, I wrote. It looks Tony D'Amato looks like Nick Saban was cut in half. <laughs> By Lawrence Taylor's chainsaw. Because <laughs> yes, he does have like I do think he has like kind of the right swagger of like yeah. I, I thought it was weird that his character wears like really nice suits. <laughs> Although based on that uh, Washington Post feature on Al Pacino, I'm guessing he just showed up in his own wardrobe and they were like, "Yeah, that's fine. Just go ahead and wear that out there." <laughs> But I thought his but, wardrobe was weird, but other than that, he had like kind of the. I, he was very. I thought he was convincing as sort of like a, uh, a world weary NFL coach uh, who's who's kind of like been through it all. So that's true, and yeah, it's not that Al Swagger can't carry him. You know, you know me. Al, I think Al Pacino could play any role he puts his mind to, but I just think <laughs> thinking of him as an NFL coach next to all these giant dudes with huge muscles, yeah. I feel like it makes him stand out even more as a as a shrimpy guy who. You sort of when you really think about it, it's like I don't think that all comes together. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, did they have Lawrence? Well, because there are other short guys in this movie. It seems to me like Dennis Quaid and Jamie Fox didn't look very imposing either. That's true. So I'm just wondering if like Lawrence Taylor was on his knees for every scene, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah, it was like, and so again, there are parts of it that are that are interesting. They talk about, you know, college athletes getting paid and how they don't and how that's sort of ridiculous, which was this is that was 18 years ago. So we're still having that conversation and have gotten nowhere. They talk about head trauma. They talk about players, you know, how dangerous it is. Maybe certain guys shouldn't be out there. People should hang it up. Doctors should do their jobs and getting people off the field. So they, they do touch on some interesting topics that it's a shame that we're still debating every day. And then it becomes a football movie in the sense that Cameron Diaz and Al Pacino's characters are talking about like personnel and coaching moves. And like, I'm not convinced that either one of them has ever seen a football game before, or at least can convey the messages of a football team. Like, I don't want to hear Cameron Diaz telling Al Pacino who, what linebacker he should put in or what he should do with his contract. Like, the minutia of the personnel decisions is not exactly what I call riveting tele, uh, acting and riveting experience. Yeah, I thought that was kind of 
definitely the most boring part of the movie. And it also seemed to kind of expose uh, uh, all... I feel like, I don't know, it seems like this is kind of a trend with Oliver Stone and his films. Like, he wants to be this expert on all of these things that he's clearly not an expert about and somehow tie it to American culture and capitalism. Right. And it, so... <laughs> That's a really good observation, I think. <laughs> and he's not. And he's not. And not everything lends itself to his Oliver Stoney ways, but he sort of forces those puzzle pieces in anyway, no matter what. Yeah, it's like. I kept thinking of JFK as like he just wants to insert those conspiracy theories into this, but he doesn't know how to. He doesn't exactly know how Kirk Douglas and Spartacus fit into this movie. <laughs> I, uh, I actually thought. Okay, so I think. Oliver Stone's message here was very like muddled. I think I think he just dabbles in so many different areas again because I think he wants to be seen as an expert. But then like I didn't come away from like I thought it was interesting that he he paints, paints this very clear picture of like the incredible sacrifices that the players make, you know, physically. It touches mm-hmm. on the doctors being corrupt, and I, I think it's interesting, you know, given that I think the Falcons were just busted for in 2009 giving out way too much way too many painkillers or something like something crazy like that i just saw that on the espn bottom line before we started recording uh so he touches on all that and then he also gets into the but he also seems to come back to the idea that like there's something the 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 people involved in the game have sort of this insatiable like desire to be involved uh i mean the whole last conversation with willie beeman and and Tony D'Amato is sort of about the team and stuff like that. So there's like a lot of different ideas, but they don't really come together well. And then they're all like shoved, shoved beneath this bizarre veneer of like unnecessary shaky cam and, you know, Coke on tits and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all just a little over the top. And yeah. like, even, even when he has legitimately great points, like with the concussion issue mm-hmm. or, you know, how black athletes are exploited or marginalized in the mm-hmm. league, then they're quickly, like, overdone by, like, him wanting to, like, have all this, like, conspiratorial backroom talk and how, like, all of these conspiratorial kinds of ways of looking at the business of it that, I, like, it just doesn't seem like that's how it's playing out in real life. Yeah, like you said, I think juxtaposed against each other, it just comes off a little weird. It's he obviously dislikes a lot of institutions and what they make people do, but he also greatly respects like togetherness and like bonding as humans of the common goal, which is a noble thing, and and obviously works at the, the, the Al Pacino speech scene being one of the more famous sports speeches or sports monologues or whatever, or just pieces of acting in a sports movie ever. But it just it doesn't all. What got you there doesn't always make sense. Like, is that really is the lesson like these two people don't like each other and then they ultimately like his, his lesson is obviously they put it aside for a common goal. But do they, like why do they? Is that is that established right. in their characters or in right. any of the decisions? Like, there's and there's so many flashing, colorful distractions along the way that you sort of lose point is you lose track of what exactly is we're building towards and that matters. Because we're not really building towards anything. Like that's the thing. <laughs> Like <laughs> Willie Beeman's arc is a great example of that. Like he, he's kind of a dick, but kind of good. And then he like throws his girlfriend out, and then he's like he kind of gets back with his girlfriend, and then like because what he's we, really charming, not because he really changes. He, yeah, and what are we supposed to learn from him? I don't know. And then like at the end, he's like, oh, my arm kind of hurts. 
And like I don't I don't know what we're supposed to learn from him, even though that character touches on a lot of interesting themes, you know, again, the college sports. The conversation he has in the sauna with Lawrence Taylor I thought was actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you just don't you don't know what you're supposed to sort of take away from it because 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 it's so it's so muddled. I, I, I'll also say, you know, I'm glad you brought up the, the speech, right? Which is kind of like the crowning. It it just sticks out in this movie. It's it's a wonderful piece of writing, and it's a really well acted. Uh, you damn right it is. Part, you know, it's it's one of the best Pacino moments. Even though this is probably one of the on the lower end of the movies we've seen in this series, it's definitely one of the best moments purely in, in all of the movies we've seen. I think part of it, though, is it kind of sticks out as this, like, moment of lucidity and clarity in another, <laughs> otherwise, like, like uh, coked up, uh, cortisone shotted up fever dream that, that, that Oliver Stone is sort of delivering to us. Uh, I mean, I want to linger on the speech a little more because I really think it's great. I really think it's, it is probably, I think it's probably the best in any sports movie I've ever seen. I, I, I it was like the coach speech you know there's only uh every every movie seems to have that and it's like the best in my in my view but uh it it does also stick out because it's in the middle of this movie that uh makes a questionable amount of sense otherwise i mean it, it I'm, I'm like unsurprisingly i might disagree with the speech scene a little bit that's, <laughs> that's not entirely because of the writing and even al pacino's questionable uh, delivery. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I find that trope to just be so uh, obnoxious at times in, in movies, and the, I don't know, just the way they done it. Just like the leader reason, rallying the troops. Yeah, just I don't know the way that it seems. Like I, I like couldn't. I just started laughing at one point during the speech. Just, <laughs> like, is... I know this is supposed to be serious, but I can't take this guy seriously right now. It's also um, sort of like in sports movies in general, and like this, like Andrew, I think you made a really good point, and I agree with you actually, Tom. I think we can, though I do love Al Pacino's speech and think it's a wonderful little acting moment. But I think it, a, I agree that it's a moment of it's sort of proof that if you wow them with the ending, they'll yeah. forget the shit that came before it. Yep. So everyone remembers, like, uh, like in my mind, before I watched the movie, it was like, yeah, the team's struggling a little bit, and then Al gives them a speech, and then they win, and everybody's happy. And, like, yeah, that is what happens, but there's, like, it's not a, it's a very zigzaggy line to get yeah. there. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's an accurate summation if you're forced to sum it up in two sentences, but it doesn't follow a traditional path there, which is fine, but it's also not a good, <laughs> they, they don't do it well, necessarily. <laughs> they just sort of zag around all over the place. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll push back on the speech though, because first of all, I was just comparing it to other like coach speeches in other sports movies. So I agree. Oh, yeah, and I was actually going to say I agree it's a trope, but I think this is one of the best executed ones. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's really all I was going to say. But it, and I was going to say that it's like even if you watch like like I remember my dad, however many years ago, wanted me to sit down and watch Hoosiers because he loved it growing up and you know whenever he thought he was growing up but like when he was younger he loved it and i watched it and you could see it's really good but they've since that movie and since in the last 30 years especially they've redone that sort of coach inspires team thing five million times so it's cool to see the first time done and it's cool to see it executed i think pretty well here but it is it's such a joke in and of itself at this point that it's hard to really single anyone out and say this one's better than the other ones because they're all just sort of silly at this point i think this one's better written and also better performed than most most other ones uh i all but i will say i i also did spend i think this is a 
knock against the movie as a whole. I spent the basically the entire movie just waiting for the speech because that was really all I wanted to see. And then I was once the speech was over, I was like, eh, <laughs> I'm good with this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care if the dolphins win. The shark, the Miami Sharks. sharks. <laughs> Damn it. Against the Dallas Knights and the Crusaders. Did they not? They had the Knights and the Crusaders. Did anyone else notice that? It was like, can they you broaden out from like, you know, medieval warriors at all with your fake nicknames? Come on. No, oh, man. No. Western imperialism. It's a metaphor for Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, but doesn't like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe the speech compared to other parts in the, some of the other dialogue in the movie is fine, but I think maybe that just says something about how, <laughs> <laughs> how uninteresting and boring the rest of the movie was. That that is like a great moment <laughs> when it's just like, okay, well, I, I didn't, totally laugh or fall asleep for these 45 <laughs> seconds of yeah. speech. I didn't care if the Sharks came back to win. I didn't care about the future of Al Pacino's contract negotiations. Like, it's hard to inv- <laughs> although, Andrew, again, I, I do think it has its merits. It's It does not, it, like, those sort of moments can be, even though they're tropes, can be so successful because tropes, as we said before on this, like, if you make a really good, smart, well-told story, it doesn't matter that it's a trope or that it's been done before. We, we like seeing the same stories over and over if they're told correctly. This one, though it does hit the marks you'd come to expect, and it is well-performed at the moment, it isn't the culmination of a journey, you know? Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. Like, I'm, like, I'm not totally black-hearted. Like, I'm moved to, like, have feelings and, like, common <laughs> tropes in movies. I just don't I don't think it's just one of those. I just like I, I, I'm so bored and not inspired by this. But that, that could just be. You know, we're also holding it. any given Sunday to a high standard. We all knew sitting, especially sitting down and watching it again, exactly what we're gonna get. Like you say, we're getting the coke, we're getting the boobs. Although there's less coke and boobs than I remembered too. Like <laughs> I sort of think about Playmakers, that show on ESPN, which yeah. is like super sensationalized and soap opera y. And like that, I don't. For some reason, I remember this being more like that. And though it's ridiculous, it's not as crazy as that. It's more like it's more shot weirdly, and it bounces around from so many different characters. Then yeah. like they sort of they do coke, and there's no real ramifications. It's just a thing they do as football players, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of distractions in this movie. Generally, I would say <laughs> like, like the whole like oh. <laughs> John C. McGinley, is, is that his name? Like, what? The Jim Rome-esque, uh, the guy from Scrubs. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah, yeah it's like, like, he was basically like Jim Rome, essentially, like, in 1999. With, and, like, who cares about that guy? And then, like, honestly, the James Woods, Matthew Modine thing, I could have basically done without. Like, I get they were trying to say, oh, that Matthew Modine basically becomes James Woods' character, but it's like, who cares? I don't care about the doctor on the NFL team. Like, <laughs> so, James yeah. Woods also, man. I just, I don't know. Especially He's these just, days, it's hard to just watch James I mean, Woods act and go, oh, yeah, this guy's great. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's true. <laughs> he sort of um, painted himself a little bit. I will say, I, though, there's one scene when they show the bar that Al Pacino, I guess, goes to often as his carry as Tony D'Amato. And there's a caricature on the wall of him in his coaching gear, and I would pay a thousand dollars if anyone out there can access that character, <laughs> even just a, re- a, re- a re- another version of that character. Like draw that caricature out perfectly and contact me, and I will pay you a large sum of money to put it on my wall. High resolution, please, for Steve. Yeah, yeah, no, like no shitty printouts. I want a real deal. I want an easel. I want some paints, and I want a nice <laughs> version of that. You heard it here first, folks. Steve is giving away a thousand dollars for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Steve. 
Tony D'Amato is a great name for a, uh, a football coach, by the way. I just wanted to say. That was just a random thought I had, but I thought that was a really, really great character name. Uh, that is good. Willie Beeman's a great name for a quarterback, too. Oh, no, yeah. it's not, no, it's not Steeman Willie Beeman. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what a terrible nickname. Didn't all, Oliver Stone comes up with that? I mean, the character Oliver Stone's playing, doesn't he? I mean, did you guys notice that he was the commentator? I the found that also very distracting. Yes. That very, was very weird. In a very, in a very Tarantino-esque way of inserting himself into the movie. Yeah, but he's not known for being in his own movies, is he? I don't think, right? Like he's, Maybe not. I don't like Tarantino, so. you know, he's like probably going to be in one of his own movies at some point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> also, there's a part where like Fox gets to flex his comedy muscle in, a, in like a actually funny way when he does his Al Pacino impression. That's pretty. It's a funny. Pretty good yes, Al Pacino impression yes. from Jamie Foxx. Yes, yes, it is. It's definitely better than mine, which is not saying much. Don't sell yourself short, Tom. You've had a lot of time to practice it now. That's good. Think of without this podcast, it wouldn't even have gotten as good as it is. <laughs> well, if only if only I'd watched the 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 inspiring speech, then I it really really amped me up. <laughs> uh, if you don't tell me what how many inches we've got around us, Tom, they're all around us. There's a lot of inches around us. Yeah. Oh my God, what a brilliant writing! Yeah. <laughs> can we uh, that? No, but seriously, can we? Uh, while I'm just thinking of some of the dialogue in the movie, there are some just gems. Maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is Oliver Stone. Maybe it's uh, Al Pacino uh, going off script. One of the, <laughs> for some reason, I don't know the funniest. They're on a plane and he walks over. He's trying to have like this like humane moment with his his new rising quarterback, yeah. and he just walks over to him and he's like, "I lost my dad in World War II, so if you ever want to talk about that stuff, I'm here." <laughs> That's the end of the conversation. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> that's, that's the least charismatic coach. Uh, imagine. Trying to game. cross a generational gap. He doesn't know how to do it. It's an olive branch. Yeah, well, he starts by saying, uh, like, what are you listening to? You like you like jazz? And he's, he's like, oh my He's God. listening to Trick Daddy, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Al's going to put together a tape for him? Yeah. CDs. Yeah. yeah. CDs. CDs. But then later, they're having another conversation where uh, Al Pacino has uh, has Jamie Foxx over for jambalaya, which is an odd thing to focus on. Terrible jambalaya. Uh, it's terrible. Terrible jambalaya. Al Pacino can't <laughs> improvise cooking. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's this conversation about how like, he broke the rules, and Jamie Foxx is like, how did I break the rules? And he says, you broke them. That's how you broke them. He's like, well, that's a good retort. Yeah, it's just it's good uh, writing. It's just good writing. Also, the the constant focus on it on the word old and age, yeah. I was like transfixed by by the end. Like he, even in his speech, he says he can't do I can't do it for you because I'm old. It's like I, do what for you? <laughs> <laughs> also, you're also you're five foot four. So <laughs> unless unless you're the kicker, you also can't do it for us. There's that. Yeah. <clears throat> No one's, no one's even that old either, too. Everyone, everyone's pretty sprightly, all things considered. It's sixty, like it's not that old for an NFL coach. <laughs> That's pretty old for an NFL coach. I mean, whatever. Well, but he's he's the new general manager of New Mexico, right? Isn't that Albuquerque. where he goes? Yeah, Albuquerque. 
Albuquerque, yeah, the hot team in Albuquerque. Which also why just they pick a better. Did, did the yeah. NFL bar them from using certain towns? Like, that, why would they pick Albuquerque? That just hung me up too because I was like, no, there's never going to be a professional sports franchise in fucking Albuquerque. First no. of all, it's the middle of the desert. Second of all, no one lives there. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't no offense sense. to our Albuquerque fans yeah. if they're listening right now. We lo- your town is probably great, but we all like Breaking Bad, but. <laughs> Not getting the NFL team yeah, anymore. with Steve. Much of our Albuquerque listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cut it. Right, we, we don't have that many listeners. I don't want to alienate anybody oh, while we're talking towns. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, we're really talking about Al Albuquerque, the major league pitcher, right? I think. Sure, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, they're definitely not getting Cream and Steam and Willie Beeman <laughs> no. on a free agent contract uh, either. <laughs> That music video also, that's the other thing that was really... well. How did he find time during the season to record a music video? Okay, that was the other thing that bothered me. Like, they they (laughs) say, like, first of all, yes, how does he have time for that, the music video? But also, they, they like, talk, like, with him, with uh, Willie Beeman and his girlfriend, it seems like they've been apart for, like, for, like, months and months and months. The, the story covers, like, five weeks in the season. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. they've literally been apart for, like, maybe two weeks. <laughs> and, like, oh, in the bye week, I guess. So maybe three weeks. And they're, like, it's, like, it's like an entire, like, years have passed. And it, it just doesn't, like, that, like, the chronology here just does not make any sense. Anyway. No, pacing is not all of our own specialty. Pacing and time elapsing and, and logic these are not not necessarily things that he is strength in yeah <laughs> can we talk about the uh, one of the like the line players uh, the giant like white dudes who looks like a white supremacist called drogo that's the guy oh, who takes the big poop right oh yes that's right i mean <laughs> well matthew modine is like good. inserting an iv into him I, I also thought, speaking of the white supremacist thing, I, I thought it was really interesting in the one scene where, like, Al Pacino goes into the locker room and then Oliver Stone treats it like a jail yard. Like, all, yeah. the, all the black guys are, like, listening to hip-hop and then the white guys are listening to, like, heavy metal and stuff like that. Yeah. I was like, this if, if you put them in, in like, orange jumpsuits, they, this would be a prison yard. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thought. It was hilarious. It's really so strange. <laughs> like, surely the white guys and the black guys can't talk to each other in a locker room. No, right? certainly not. They go, they go listen to their different types of music and yell at each other yeah. and be ridiculous. Yeah. Also, all the black players blatantly trying to have sex with Cameron Diaz when she comes in. Yes. <laughs> they can't control themselves when a white woman yeah. walks. Like, okay. Yeah. All of a sudden, does seem to slip into his own... <laughs> Like he, he seems to slip into the targets of the commentary he makes in his movies. Yes. Super leftist form of racism. Is that what you're yeah, talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else or should we get into do our rankings on this? Uh, one? I think we got to do <laughs> rankings and Super Bowl picks. Cause the, yeah, uh, that's right. This is the Super Bowl edition. So that's all let's, I want to hear Andrew back Tom Brady after all of the yeah, after the awkwardness of Tom's political views being revealed uh, okay I'll, I can do that <laughs> all right so rankings first I'm gonna give this one a nice big Fredo though I could see it getting a sunny 
because Al is a little excitable every now and then and sort of can fit that ring. But I just really didn't like this one at all. And I think it's not necessarily Al's fault. I think it's just a sloppy, super long, interesting, but ultimately super forgettable movie that really, just like Andrew said, you peeks at the speech and the rest of it you can throw in the trash. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna zig where you guys zag, much like the plot of an Oliver Stone film. And uh, I'm gonna give this a Michael, actually. And <gasps> I'm gonna say I thought Pacino's performance was like relatively restrained and right on point here. Uh, and generally, I would say even though this is a bad movie, that I would. I never want to watch the entire movie again. But if it's if it's on cable or HBO, I will definitely stop in and watch random parts of it to be like, oh, that was weird. Uh, so I actually, in a bizarre way, probably kind of like you felt about Steve, uh, about Devil's Advocate, Steve. I just, the way I feel about this movie is like, okay. That's I, fair. I would Could watch, you invoke that? I would watch I random parts of this movie pretty much any time and be be relatively entertained. I never want to watch the whole thing again because it's so long <laughs> and so weird. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a Michael. All right. <clears throat> well. Um, drumroll! I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a Fredo as well. Yeah, well, we agreed. Oh my god. <laughs> well, yeah, very forgettable movie. Very forgettable performance, like all of them. Might as well be at the bottom of the lake after getting, uh, <laughs> you know, getting, getting clipped. Uh, <sighs> that's where I'm gonna go. Andrew, because um, you invoked Devil's Advocate, I understand where you're coming from, though, more. So thank you for that. That was that was an eye-opening moment. Yeah, I just want to be clear. It's not a good movie, but I, uh, I yeah. it's, it's a bad movie. I mean, most honestly, most sports movies are not good, I would say. Um, and uh, and But I would, I, a lot of sports movies I will just watch because they're, you know, this, I like sports and the stories are accessible and mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're very mindless to, to sort of take in, so... Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Well, all right, everybody. That's that's our I Had to Give It Sunday talk. Now let's do a little Super Bowl predictions. The game's in a few days. I am going to go against the New England Patriots because I lived in Boston for seven years. And because of recent events, I cannot stand seeing them win again. And I am so heartily rooting for the Atlanta Falcons who also have jerseys that look similar to the Miami Sharks. So hopefully that's a good sign for them. Wait, are you pick? Are you saying who you're rooting for or who you're picking? What I'm going to pick the Falcons and root for them because I like to combine okay. those two things whenever possible. Okay. Cool. I am going to root for the New England Patriots because I grew up in New England. And also Matt Ryan might be a huge Trump supporter. You don't know, Steve. That's true. Uh, and He's getting well, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The quarterback is a Trump supporter. The offensive line is probably uh, voted for Hillary. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think I actually think the Falcons are going to win. I have a weird feeling about it as a Patriots fan, but uh, obviously I hope the Patriots win. So we'll see. Well, I um, I hope I think that the 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 Miami Sharks are going to win. No, um, (laughs) I think uh, the Albuquerque whatevers I think are really going to win. Having watched uh, literally no more than twenty minutes of uh, NFL this year, I'm uh, I'm a strong lock for the for the Patriots to win. <laughs> Tom, are you going to watch on Sunday? or Are you going to boycott? No, I'm I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. I I don't have a strong enough feelings, pro or anti, the Super Bowl, so I'm just going to watch. That's fair. <laughs> We're all helpless to resist. That's right. 
Unless uh, like the Oscars. Unless Trump uh, announces another nomination for Supreme Court or something at uh, eight o'clock on Sunday night or something like that. I mean, if he's involved in the Super Bowl, then I'm definitely not watching. Uh, I just wanted to say also that uh, I want to say this every podcast that we do from now on uh, that Donald Trump is human garbage. Uh, so <laughs> we can close on that thought. He's human garbage. Giving him a lot of that's credit. A- uh, I think that's ancient. editorializing that we can all get behind on this podcast. <laughs> I also approve that message. <laughs> I'm surprised well, you're not coming in over the top, Tom, with a Al Pacino is also human garbage comment. But I don't. Yeah, think, no. I don't think Al Pacino is human garbage in the same. Even way. I have my limits. So I, I, <laughs> if we're talking about Trump, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. take my Tom, head personally out of here a little bit. Tom doesn't like Al, but even but even Al doesn't touch that territory. I mean, Al is a saint. He would make a lot better president. Uh, yeah, yeah. His, his worst performance would be miles ahead of Donald Trump as president. Would you rather <laughs> have? Is, would you rather have Donald Trump as president or John Milton from from Devil's Advocate? As president? Uh, I would definitely rather have John Milton or Scarface himself easily. <laughs> and John Scarface. Milton is literally I don't know, John Milton is literally the devil. I think yeah. that one might give me some pause. He's but a the, fan of man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Carrie, okay. <laughs> that's that literally sounds like tr- something trump would put in the speech by the way i'm a fan of man except he's yeah. probably not clever enough to rhyme i don't know no. <laughs> all right so thank you everybody i'm sorry so no, off the rails it's the it's the after effects of an oliver stone movie that didn't make any sense i'm just freestyling here uh <laughs> <laughs> it's good freestyling. If you go to inrealdeep.com, there's plenty of stories and movie reviews and other podcasts that do not explicitly reference politics. We promise that we're trying. We'll try and be both political when we need to be, and also, and then a bastion of of safeness away from where you can go and relax and not have to think about the horrors surrounding us every day, whenever we can. Yeah. So read my silence review, which is about the horrors facing missionaries in Japan in the 17th century. Sure, historical horrors. There's always been horrors, <laughs> sadly enough. Yes. All right, Tom, Andrew, thank you both for being here as always. It's, it's odd that we all – we didn't come to a consensus, but Tom and I agreed, which is a first for this program. Yeah, so was... in my mind, that's something worth uh, Special being Special moment, of. hope for the future. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we can come together. Who knows what the rest of the world can do. So there's still – there's a glimmer of something there that we can hold on to. All right, everybody. So, as always, thank you for listening. And keep in mind, we are one nation under Pacino with liberty and justice for Al. <laughs> <laughs>